Welcome back to Mark's Madness, and it's me doing the intro instead. Hi, uh, with Chunkaluta Network. Woo! Um, it's it's Shungbani too again. Uh, no, David, but Prez. Hello. Hey. So, uh, sorry for the <laughs> fucked up intro. Uh, <laughs> but you're uh, doing great. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're we're here to talk and read books like usual, and um, you know, David spending time with his family, and I'm over here being antisocial for mine. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I just always have a bunch of shit to do on Sundays, so it's just not a good day uh, for a holiday to fall on that's catered around fathers. <laughs> Wait, is it Father's Day? Yeah, today is Father's Day. <laughs> Yesterday was my dad's birthday, too. Oh, Christ. I'm sure that's good every year. Yeah, I fucking hate him. Anyway, no, but we're <laughs> celebrating in uh, July. Instead of the oh. 4th of July, we're going to do his birthday. That sounds fucking miserable. I, I, I fucking, <laughs> well, I'd rather do that than go to the fireworks or some shit. There. You know, he doesn't like fireworks either. So I'm like, it's like, okay, for a patriot, you, you suck at being a patriot, man. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so today for uh, what's it called? Current events. Uh, we have two major items to talk about. The first one is my nihilism was wrong. So pleasantly surprised that the Supreme Court upheld ICWA. In fact, Gorsuch was the one who wrote uh, the opinion. And uh, we're not going to read it here, but feel free to read it. And it comes off, um, you know, uh, kind of good. Um, a lot of people, they don't really realize, like, the history that Gorsuch is coming from it from. Like, uh, back in the 70s, uh, Nixon ended termination. Um, and what that, what termination was, was, like, the pen and paper uh genocide of tribes so uh similarly to what spain did to the taino people they just hoped to write us out of existence so (laughs) one census there's a bunch of us the next census there's none of us you know um and so they were systematically going through and going after weaker tribes right that don't have um uh a lot of political power because at this time you have the reservation system being set up um and so it's those who went in early ended up gaining a huge amount of leverage that's actually sort of how like lakota people gained such um influence on the rest of the country's indian communities is because uh, we were some of the first people to sign up to the reservation system sadly um but what that did was it gave us negotiating leverage right with the government because we had a government that they would listen to but of course that comes with the um, deal that you're kind of giving up your sovereignty, right? And so then they take full advantage of that, try to terminate these tribes that um, want to maintain sovereignty, right? By not adopting a white man constitution, but then they end up having to, it's all part of what's called the Indian Reorganization Act. Um Anyway, so Nixon ends this practice uh, after a ton of protests by red power organizations across the country. Uh, 
and uh, you know, basically, uh, it's a attempt to appease uh, more liberal minded Indians who, you know, hey, they're they're meeting us halfway, so we should chill out. Sort of attitude. Um, there was a lot of deployment of uh, an organization um, that was known as the National Chairman's Association or something like that, Tribal Chairman's Association. And uh, they would like condemn AIM and stuff like that because um, they were too radical or whatever. But in like reality, you know, these people were selling off their reservations and shit for pocketing money that they got. That nobody else saw, you know, um, and that's pretty bullshit. So, uh, you know, obviously there was, there's a lot still to be done about that. Uh, we're obviously working on our issues and um, you don't need to worry about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, support and educate Lakota people's education. So that way we can better, you know, push communism amongst our nation. That's my thinking anyway. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Gorsuch, you know, he comes from that tradition more that we sh- we should have sovereignty so the government doesn't have to pay for us. It's sort of a malicious compliance, right? So they give us sovereignty, so to say, but we still have to keep this, these stupid constitutions. We still have to let the BIA manage our land. We still have to let the Bureau of Land Management set the pricing. And then we still are considered wildlife by the Department of Interior, <laughs> so it's like oh yeah we're real sovereign um and they can still sell off our fucking land you know <laughs> look at the fucking willow project so it's like you know we didn't really gain anything it's a liberal shit that's why we need actual sovereignty you know and we need to force the u.s to maintain its agreements with us because you know you can't economically destroy us three times, three separate times, our economy ended up doing better than the U.S. is Well, the surrounding white communities, I will say. I won't say the entire U.S. is, but during the Great Depression, we sure weren't struggling. <laughs> and they pissed white people off, you know, because uh, for some reason, th- they had all the land and they were starving. And then on the reservations, we had the free and bountiful uh, what uh, I forget what Congress calls it, um, the free bounties of nature or something like that. Anyway, but you know that's sort of like this long history leading up to why somebody like Gorsuch would be in favor of Indian sovereignty, right? Not only that, but it also there's a placation happening, right? Uh, just uh, what? Oh, when was it now? I can't remember when People versus Fossil Fields was 2020, 2021, something like that. Um, but until Extinction Rebellion came and fucked shit up, uh, you know, Indian people led a huge protest in Washington that resulted in like people doing a lot of direct action afterwards. So like line five got turned off by somebody just dressed up in costume walking in, you know, uh, and actually speaking of line five, uh, due to a lot of the struggles that began, you know, not too long ago, um, uh, 
the Bad River Band, which I actually live on the land of, uh, is being awarded 5.1 million. Not enough. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but also the pipeline needs to be moved by 2026. Uh, and that's line five as well. Line five goes through the Mackinac Straits, um, which the Mackinac Straits um, connects Lake Superior and Lake Michigan. And then Lake Michigan uh, connects over to Lake Huron. So if you have uh, a pipeline spill there, three great lakes get fucked up. That's like all of the fresh water. <laughs> There's not a lot of it to begin with. And that's pretty much all of it fucked. Uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, uh, crazy that that's even like a possibility. But like I've had friends repairing it because Joe Biden shut it down to do some repairs. Actually, um, they should just shut it down. <laughs> but uh it's open on the bottom of the Mackinac Strait. So all that needs to happen is uh, an anchor needs to be left down and dragged into it, right? And it'll hit the pipeline, risking spilling. Countless ships go back and forth there daily. Um, you know, uh, th- this is like the reason why it's so dangerous is because. Uh, like I said, I have friends there that are working on the repairs and they can just scrape off the steel with a screwdriver. They go, like it's fucking trash. So <laughs> an anchor being dragged on the bottom of the fucking ocean by a tanker, you know, well, an, an iron ore tanker, not a, not a fucking oil tanker. It's a fucking, uh, imagine a ship built for carrying tons and tons and tons of iron ore. That's what we ship. (laughs) That motherfucking ship is going to demolish a falling apart pipeline. That's just what's going to happen. And so a lot of tribal communities have joined together demanding um, change, you know. And, of course, that only goes so far. But you risk giving radicals an easy point of leverage that the government's well aware of. And we can track that based on what COINTELPRO targets after its official ending in 71. So COINTELPRO ends in 71 after successfully pretty much neutralizing the Black Panther Party and a bunch of other Black nationalist groups, uh, SDP and um, CPSA, of course. Um, You know, it effectively neutralized the communist left. Um, So they moved on to the indigenous liberation you know groups that were coming out in that time and that not only is uh combated through a uh, continuation of whatever cointel pro became but you know you have uh expansion of cooperation of agencies so i like wounded knee you saw the air force there there was marines there was fucking national guard uh, right-wing militias uh CIA chaos agents, uh, you know, like the list goes on. Uh, I would hate to see what the list actually included that the government knows, you know, cause that's what we know, you know, anyway, um, after that, after they pretty much neutralize, uh, aim by the eighties, uh, 
they move on to environmentalists. So, you know, they, they see what draw like dr- communism, black nationalism, indigenous liberation, you know, <laughs> like we can see what they're worried about, you know, and why they try to co-op these movements. Um, in my opinion, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book about it. That's my thesis. So <laughs> you know, I, I hope I'm right. <laughs> I don't, but uh, I, I am probably. Anything to add, Prez? No, not really. Just all right. Gorsuch is fucking weird. Gorsuch is so like weird. of all the people, him. Well, right wingers have a tendency to love the idea of sovereignty, so they really latch on to Indians in like a fetishistic way. Um, a lot of people have said it's paternalistic, but it's like no, it's it's really like like a bootstraps. If, if it's paternalism, it's bootstrap paternalism, where they're like, it's hard love, but you deserve the sovereignty and you deserve no help while you gain it. <laughs> like, okay, thanks, dude. Um, and, and like he's right, like they're right. The their reasoning and stuff, you know, um, that's all within the constitution. They of course sounded like fucking idiots coming to those answers because you had like you literally had fu- I, I can't even remember who it was, but you, one of them fucking was like, "Weren't you all murdering each other before we came?" The standard argument. I was like, "Man, you have a you have a law degree. What the fuck, dude?" <laughs> You're a Supreme Court justice. With anything, if being in academia has proven anything to me, it's that having a doctorate does not make you smart. Oh, 100%. It actually just makes you stupider. Oh, that's what I... So I at least got in an argument with uh, a high school history teacher, right? So first off, it doesn't seem like your master's got you very far, but he has a master's in history, right? And he legitimately said, the U.S. was in Vietnam to stop communism. I'm like, yep, uh huh, but like, why? <laughs> Just to stop it. It's like, it's so like I, I said, uh, you know, no, uh, it was to maintain uh, moribund capitalism as Lenin described it, or imperialism, a global system dom- of capitalist domination. <laughs> And he's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard was his response. And I was like, well, the you're an idiot. The textbook says otherwise. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, I have a, I spent six years studying history. I was like, you should get your money fucking back, dude. Because he said Vietnam was never a colony. Oh, come on. I went. It's like not even like. I was like Indochina would like a word, and he's like, I didn't hear Vietnam, and I was like, Fuck uh, you, dude. Fuck you. You're the most dishonest motherfucker out here. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so we'll get to the reading now. Uh, we're we're starting the introduction, which I guess the reader just goes right into, right? With the standard PDF, PDF that we. Yeah, built. I mean, you open the book cover, and then it's. The like this is how we're reading it just goes into ch- 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 yeah. right we okay. skip the uh the like table of contents because that's kind of dumb it's not really yeah. useful 
Okay. I just want to make sure that everybody's at the same place as us. So we're at the introduction. Um, after. Ten. Well, yeah, but it's not actually page 10 in the grand PDF, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, in the grand PDF, it's a different number, but... You know the introduction page ten. You'll get there. You'll you'll figure it out. We believe in you. Uh, if we ever print this, like actually, we'll make sure it's like not this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but also, I don't know how legal it is to just. Like, I think if you're just giving it away for free, you can do it. But that right. would mean that Marxists.org would not have all those copyright takedowns. So okay, we'll see. Weird. That's so weird. Copyright is dumb. Yeah. So uh, we'll be beginning. Um, I guess uh, you should begin because I've been talking so much. Okay. So introduction. So the I guess to start it off, this reader is written, edited by a guy named David Forgax. He is one of the... Sorry, MP- Forgax just like made me go, Gygax. And I imagined him being like a D&D guy. But anyway, go on. He might be. Uh, edited by David Forgax. By edited, it means that he mostly compiled pre-existing translations, but also helped clarify the pre-existing translations and translated other stuff. So in other readers, you actually see his his actual translations like explicitly done. So he's one of the. I do like that. I like that they do that. I because like yeah. I, I kind of worry about the idea of like Buddha Judge's dad just translating things, you know? Because like <laughs> I don't know Buddha Judge's dad, but I know a Buddha Judge. Uh, his, his work on Gramsci's not terrible. Very obviously not a Marxist, but. But yeah, like what what could he change that would like fundamentally fuck some things up? You know what I well, mean? That's a he could be one of those people who like translates shit and then writes stuff on his own. That's like this guy is totally wrong and stupid. Um, but his his Budigaig's like actual writing that's not just translating. It's Budigaig. I I don't know. <laughs> I always heard I it was Budigaig. Figure that out. Okay, um, well, fuck him. Budagag's writing is actually decent, uh, unfortunately. Oh, and I just noticed the the back cover where it usually has like some quote about how great it is. Is the quote is from Stuart Hall? So, <laughs> oh wow, perfect timing. Um, back to it. This is edited by David Forgax. The introduction is by him. And then we're going to see at the end of this little introduction reading. You didn't scan this yourself, did you? No, I got this from the library. (laughs) (laughs) Like I started looking and I was like, no, no. That's that's too much work. Yeah, I was going to say, please do not. I don't love you guys that much. Uh, At the end of this introduction, we took the end of the book, which is a glossary of terms that is just defining what all the all the key concepts that we're going to uh, come into contact with so we all have a general understanding of what these major terms are, like war of position, passive revolution, all that shit. So this is to start us off. Okay. Introduction. The international fortunes 
of Gramsci's work have fluctuated with the changes of fashion on the intellectual left. Thus, in the 1960s, the vogue for Althusser in Latin America largely blocked the way for Gramsci. Although in France itself, Althusser's prominence gave publicity to the then barely known Italian, whom he both praised and criticized. The elements of fashion was particularly evident inasmuch as the reception of Gramsci largely coincided with the heyday of the quote-unquote new lefts of the 1960s and 70s, whose capacity to consume an eclectic mix made of mutually incompatible intellectual ingredients was considerable. (laughs) Roasted. (laughs) Um, That's partly referring to the fact that the Italian Communist Party in the 70s, like, invented Eurocommunism by misreading Gramsci, um, which is really unfortunate. What? Yeah. Eurocommunism came from Italy. Yeah, but misreading, that's how they work. We're going to see Gramsci's stuff on, like, War of Position and War of Maneuver, and they're like... Sure, and then, oh, it's going to be... The War of Position is actually taking... We're going to be in the trenches, (laughs) in the EU. (laughs) The the trenches are the the EU parliament. Oh, my God, I fucking hate Um. The element of fashion was even more evident in the 1990s when former leftists transformed into neoliberals no longer cared to be reminded of anything that recalled old enthusiasms. This whole thing is just petty as shit. It always is. It's great. I feel like I feel like any good Marxist theory <laughs> has to be. Oh, I'm doing the Italian hands, eh? No, but it's no got to be. You. No, yeah, I know. I just realized I was doing them. <laughs> it's got to be a little spicy, you know. That recalled old enthusiasms. This could be witnessed in post-1991 Russia, where the heritage of Marxist ideas is under serious attack. Uh, it's it's present tense because this was done in the 90s. The Uh-oh, Okay. This was done in first done in 1988, and then the introduction was written in 1999. Wow, this is like as old as me. <laughs> it is equally evident that Gramsci could not have become a major figure on the world intellectual scene, but for the determination of his comrade and admirer, admirer Pamilio Togliati, I guess is pronounced Togli Togliati. The G is like a Y in Italian. Um, Fuck them, Italian. I know. And admire Pamilio Togliati to preserve and publish his writings and to give them a central place in Italian communism. Under the conditions of Stalinism, this was by no means an inevitable choice, especially given the known heterodoxy of Gramsci. Even though the line of the Seventh World Congress of the International made it a little less risky. Uh, we're going to actually read a letter that uh, Gramsci wrote to Stalin that was essentially like, hey, maybe tone it down a little with the whole Trotsky thing. Uh, <laughs> um, they never gave the letter to Stalin. Wow. Whatever, yeah. Whatever the subsequent criticism of Togliatti's own views on Gramsci, his concern after Gramsci's debt to quote, Remove him from the misfortunes of the president and safeguard him for the future of the party, unquote. 
and his insistence on Gramsci's centrality from the moment of his return to Italy, were the foundations of Gramsci's subsequent fortunes. Were the foundations of Gramsci's subsequent force, fortunes. The editorial deficiencies and omissions of the early post-war years were the price paid for making Gramsci known. In retrospect, a price worth paying. Thanks to Togliatti's determination and a new prestige of the PCI, the Italian Communist Party, at least the Lettere were published in a number of countries, including some, quote, people's democracies, unquote, before the death of Stalin. Where the local communists, where the local communist parties failed to do, do so, no one else did. Though excellent English translations were almost immediately made, it took decades to actually find publishers for the Lettere in Britain and the USA. These are what we're going to be reading. These aren't. So, the so those are like tame it down with the Trotsky letter, or this is Trotsky letter, but it's also like what he wrote. A little bit in prison, but mostly before he went to prison. So, like, stuff he put in Avanti, which was the major communist newspaper that he was edited, editor of, and all of that kind of stuff. And Literally, Avante means, like, event and... Forward? Forward. I believe. You would think I know this. Yeah, I would have assumed. <laughs> That's why I asked. Uh... Yeah, it, means, it literally means forward. Even so, apart from a few foreigners with personal memories of the Italian resistance and personal friendships on the post-war Italian left, I cannot even pronounce that. That's like... Uh, Resepetinian Geschichte? Geschichte? I don't know. Receptions Geschichte? Yeah, it might not be German. I don't know what that is. No, anyway, it looks like German, but I'm like, yeah. I don't know how T I O N S is pronounced in German. If anyone knows German, let us know if we're wrong. I know. I wish Hannah was here. I'd be like, hey, time to put the degree to use. <laughs> and personal friendships on the post war Italian left, the reception gestace of Gramsci begins with the 20th Congress of the CPSU, Communist Party of the Soviet Union. For two decades, it was part of the attempt by the international communist movement to emancipate itself from the heritage of both Stalin and the Communist International. Within the quote-unquote socialist camp, this was reflected in the almost immediate official acknowledgement of Gramsci as a political thinker as well as a martyr. As witnessed the publication of a three-volume selection from his work in the USSR in 1957 to 1959, uh, this was under Khrushchev, right? I think so. Stalin died. Stalin died in 1953. So I'm guessing. Yeah, but I'm like, how long was the one dude technically in charge? Nah, who knows? Doesn't matter. The Soviet presence at the first Gramsci Convenio conference in 1959 and the substantial and implicitly reformist Soviet delegation to the second in 1967. Eventually, of course, Gramsci was to make his way into the academic literature. More precisely, Gramsci attracted attention outside of Italy, primarily as a communist thinker who provided a Marxist strategy for countries in which the October revolution might have been an inspiration, but not, but could not have been a model. 
that is to say for socialist movements in the not in non-revolutionary environments and situations the prestige and success of the italian communist party in the years between the yalta Memo memorandum and the death of enrico berlinguer okay. who's the secretary from 72 until his death so he's the, he's the the fault for making euro communism yeah during the years of lead oh boy and he's uh i guess his stuff is marked by the hot autumn. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. A term used for a series of large strikes in the factories of Northern Italy during 69 and 70. 440 hours of strikes. Jesus. That's a fucking ton of strikes. Holy yeah. shit. Northern Italy was always like the hotbed of the communist party. It still is it's today. It's Southern Italy that most of this happened. Oh, I thought you said Wait, Northern. The no, the... Oh, no, I did say northern, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> this was due to the decrease in the flow of labor migration from southern Italy, though, and had resulted in nearly full employment levels in the northern part of the country. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. We're going to read the southern question, too, which is uh, precise about precisely that whole dynamic. Oh, cool. Sweet. But uh, northern Italy has been the hotbed of the Italian communist movement because it's the most industrialized, but even today it's like the only place that is voting like slightly left leaning uh, with a lot of the rest of the country voting pretty much just fascist. Well, I was going to say it's in Southern Italy. They found those missiles in the right wing militias. Hands. <laughs> Where was I? And the death of Enrico Bellinguer naturally spread the influence of a thinker generally considered as an inspirer of its strategies. Gramsci undoubtedly reached the peak of his international prominence in the year of Eurocommunism of the 1970s and receded somewhat in the 1980s, except perhaps in the German Federal Republic, where he was discovered rather late and interest in him was at the height at its height in the first half of the 1980s. Do we know what Hoja thought of this guy? No. Okay. The international discussion on Gramsci, it seems, remained largely separate from and immediate and independent of the vigorous Italian debate on the country's greatest on the country's greatest Marxist thinker. This is not surprising. Foreigners in inevitably read some national thinker, however universal in his or her interests, in a different manner from readers in their own culture. And when the thinker is like Gramsci, so closely concerned with his national reality, foreign and national readings are even more likely to diverge. Almost all of Gramsci's writings are just about Italy. Um, so we have to remember, like what Stuart Hall said, we can't just pluck him and put him down exactly where we want and copy paste. In any case, several of the issues most hotly debated in Italy were not so much arguments about Gramsci as arguments for, or, or parentheses, or more usually against, close parentheses, some phase of the policy of the PCI. These were not always of major interest to non-specialists outside. Nevertheless, it is relevant to note that what has influenced foreign readers is the text of Gramsci's writing writings rather than the literature of criticism and interpretation that has accumulated around them in his own country. 
That is to say, Gramsci, the Gramsci of the era when his first major selections of his work became widely available in translation, or at the earliest when the first important local quote-unquote Gramscians appeared on the intellectual scene to introduce the as-yet-untranslated thinker. Essentially, we may say that the non-Italian Gramsci re reception was that of the Gramsci of the 1960s to 1970s. The international reception of Gramsci has therefore been, and still remains, subject to the fluctuating fortunes of the political left. And it will and must continue to be some... to continue to be so to some extent, for Gramsci was par excellence the philosopher of political practice. Most of the luminaries of what has been called quote-unquote Western Marxism can be read, as it were, as acad academics, which many of them were or could have been. Lukacs, Korsh, I don't know who that is, ben Benjamin, Althusser, Marcuse, and others. I'll include in there Palancis, so you, I keep nailing home that he needs to be read. They wrote at one or two rem removals from the concrete political realities, even when, like Henry Lefebvre, they were at one time or another plunged into them as political organizers. You Grant, don't think he means Karl Korsh, do you? I don't know. I don't know who Korsh is. It must be Korsh, because Lukács is in here, too. Um He's a German communist, I guess. I don't know. He joined the USPD. <laughs> um, yeah, Karl Korsch. Yeah, this has to be him. He's old, though. Yeah, he dies, like... In the 60s. Much. Yeah. Okay. 1961. I, I don't know. Um, he left he wrote the night of the Reichstag fire. Oh, cool. <laughs> Rip. They wrote at one or two removals from the concrete political realities, even when, like Henry, Henry Lefebvre, they were at one time or another plunged into them as political organizers. Gramsci cannot be separated from these realities, since even his widest generalizations are invar invariably concerned with the investigation of the practical conditions for transforming the world by politics in the specific circumstances in which he wrote, meaning it's Italy. Unlike Lenin, but like Marx, he was born an intellectual, a man almost physically excited by the sheer attraction of ideas. That's a very bold comparison. <laughs> I don't know if I would say that, that that's what intellectual <laughs> means. <laughs> also, it kind of sounds like he's getting the fucking hard on for it. <laughs> Theory is great, like super great. Oh, okay, Grams. <laughs> we'll see that when we get to his readings. Not for nothing was he the only genuine Marxist theorist who was also the leader of a Marxist mass party. If we leave aside the much less original Otto Bauer. One of the reasons why historians, Marxists and even non-Marxists, have found him so rewarding is precisely his refusal to leave the terrain of concrete historical, social, and cultural realities for abstraction and reductionist theoretical models. 
It is therefore likely that Gramsci will continue to be read mainly for the light his writings throw on politics, in his own words. The body of practical rules for research and detailed observations useful for a, an interesting, uh, an interest in effective <laughs> reality for stimulating more rigorous and more vigorous political insights, end quote. I like that sentence. Yeah. All his sentences are, are bangers. More, more rigorous and vigorous. Like that's, yeah, good choice. <laughs> I do not believe that those looking for such insights will be found on the will only be found on the left. Although for evident reasons, those who share Gramsci's objectives are most likely to look at him for guidance. Yet one hopes that Gramsci may still be a guide to successful political action for the left. It is already clear that his international influence has penetrated beyond the left and indeed beyond the sphere of instrumental politics. Um, just a note, the the part where he says the the people who aren't Marxist that will use his work, technically the post-colonial theorists like Chatterjee and, and all the others, they call themselves Marxist. And they use specifically Gramsci's idea that we're going to get to of the subaltern, which I'm sure people have heard. Um, but they just totally bastardize what he wrote and uh, remove the, the political organizing that his whole idea of subaltern uh, implied or was more explicit about. Their, ho their whole deal is that uh, colonialism is not a thing anymore, but oppression exists through like language and shit, which is not, not at all what Gramsci was, was going for. Nor does it match reality. <laughs> <laughs> it may seem trivial that an Anglo-Saxon reference work can, I quote from the entry in its entirety, reduce him to a single word. Quote, Antonio Gramsci, see under hegemony. This is just a weird thing. Um, th this is talking about like a... Uh, like a literal dictionary kind of reference. Oh, hey, look, Buttigieg makes an appearance. <laughs> Quote, Antonio Gramsci, see under hegemony, the Fontania Dictionary of Modern Thought, 19, London, 1977, that's the reference work. It may be absurd that an American journalist quoted by Buttigieg believes that the concept of civil society was introduced into modern discourse by Gramsci alone. Yet the acceptance of a thinker as a permanent classic is often indicated just by such superficial references to him by people who patently know little more about him than that he is, quote unquote, important, end quote. Fifty years after his death, Gramsci had become important in this matter, even outside of Italy, where his status in national history and national culture was recognized almost from the beginning. It is now recognized in most parts of the globe. Indeed, the flourishing historical school of subaltern studies, I just <laughs> complained about that, of subaltern studies centered in Calcutta suggests that Gramsci's influence is still expanding. He has survived the political conjunctures which first gave him international prominence. He has survived the European communist movement itself. <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing the... 
<laughs> the beef. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Maybe he likes Euro communism. He has demonstrated his independence of the fluctuations of ideological fashion, who now expects another vogue for Althusser any more who now expects another vogue for Althusser any more than for Spengler. He has survived the enclosure in academic ghettos, which looks like which looks like being the fate of so many other thinkers of quote unquote Western Marxism. He has even avoided becoming an ism, which is weird because he mentioned Gramsci and before. Um, yeah, it's because he's, it's not an ism, it's an Ian. <laughs> <laughs> what the future fortunes of his writings will be, we cannot know. However, his permanence is already sufficiently sure and justifies the continuing studies of his writing. And so what is, are we reading this? This is... This is notes on the text. I don't think we need to read this. If you're going to read this yourself, you should. It's just describing like how he's doing the footnotes and and oh okay kind of stuff. Sure. We don't really have to do that. Okay. We have a chronological outline of Gramsci's life now, which is not necessary, but it's nice. And I, I'll start. I'll start here. Okay. <laughs> In 1891, Antonio Gramsci is born in. Alice, is that is that? Yeah, that's okay. Spelled like Ailes, uh, province of Cagliari, Sardinia, on twenty the twenty second of January, fourth of seven children. <laughs> His father Francesco, a civil servant, is accused of administrative irregularity in eighteen ninety seven. Oh, ah, I clicked the page. And suspended from office, he is subsequently tried and sentenced to five years imprisonment. What is irregularity? Like stealing? I mean, like laundering? Yeah, generally like stealing. Okay. Administrative irregularity is like taking bribes and shit. And so then 1903 to 1905, Gramsci is obliged to work because of the family straightened circumstances. Wait, how old would he have been? He'd be like 12. In the local tax office. Uh, yeah, he'd be 12. In the local tax office. This 12-year-old is working in the tax office. It was a different time. <laughs> this mother- a 12-year-old's collected your taxes. I'd be pissed. <laughs> Around 1905, his elder brother, Gennaro. Gennaro? Gennaro. Gennaro? Okay. You have to Doing- do the, the finger pinch when you say it. Uh, doing military service in Turin. Is that like where the Cloak of Turin's from? Yeah. Nice. It's also like the center of the Italian communist movement. Crazy. Start sending him Avanti, the organ of the Italian Socialist Party, PSI. Moves to... Wait, around 1905, his... So okay, his brother's the one sending him this. Thing. Yes, I thought Gramsci was sending his brother. Twelve-year-old. <laughs> Hold up, dude. <laughs> I thought I started young. Jesus. Okay. Um, he moves to Cagliari to complete his school studies. Nineteen oh eight. Nineteen oh eight to eleven. Gennaro now a PSI activist and has his first contacts with the socialist movement. Also becomes involved with Sardinian regionalist politics. He first reads Karl Marx's writing in this period. Writings, sorry. 
1911, wins scholarship to the University of Turin, meets Palmiero Tagliati and Angela Tasca, Angelo Tasca, uh, also students in Turin, particularly interested in linguistics. 1913, becomes involved in PSI activity in Turin. 1915, withdraws from university courses without graduating, and devotes himself full-time working for the Socialist Press, the Turin office of Avanti, and the Socialist Weekly, uh, Il Grido del, wait, yeah, Il Grido del Popolo, The People's Cry. Uh, he continues working part-time on a thesis in linguistics until 1918. He, he was writing like a doctorate thesis in linguistics. Same. Um, Not in linguistics, <laughs> but I feel gonna, that. We're going to see him talk about this guy named Cro- Crochet? Croquet? I don't know how to pronounce Crochet, it. Crochet, for sure. And he was like one of the biggest Italian thinkers of the time, and he was Gramsci's advisor. Yeah, he's 24 yeah. when he's writing this. Wow, he's like literally same i'm writing a fucking doctorate on aim basically <laughs> like okay sweet i'm on track to be a gramsci let's hope i don't end up in jail by a fascist and die to disease so anyway 1917 february uh february period <laughs> Sorry, <the Jesus. laughs> okay Edit single issue of La Cite Futura, newspaper of the Future regional city. Okay. Regional Youth Movement of the PSI. April. Oh, okay. I see what's happening. First articles in support of Lenin and the Russian Revolution. August. Food riots and anti war protests in Turin. Many local PSI leaders arrested in subsequent wave of repression. September. Becomes secretary of provisional executive of Turin PSI and acting editor of Il Grido del Popolo. This is because the rest of them got arrested. <laughs> Fucking grind, Gramsci. Wait, wait, wait. It's like my time to shine. <laughs> December publishes article The Revolution Against Capital in support of the Bolsheviks and against the determinist Marxism. Uh 1918, Il Grido del Popolo ceases publication with Tagliani and others launches a Turin edition of Avante. 1919, May, Gramsci, Tagliani, and Tosca launched the weekly La Ordine Nuova, Nuovo, The New Order. He is the Illuminati, isn't he? Anyway, June publishes the La Ordine Nuovo, the article's Workers' Democracy, calling for the internal commissions the workplace to be developed as organs of proletarian power, replacing the capitalists. Translates many articles dealing with factory councils and the stop the shop stewards movement. October meets Sylvia Pankhurst in Turin. A series of her letters from England, translated by Tagliati, appears in Lourdine Nuovo. November to December, factory council movement develops in Turin. Oh, little do they know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh Good old worker syndicalist. Uh, anyway, 1920, April, unofficial general strike in Turin, not supported by PSI or socialist trade union, CGL leaders, involving over 200,000 workers. Holy shit. This is not supported? He got into a fight. This was one of the main reasons why he split and founded the Communist Party. Good. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Um, he actually writes that, like, if we supported this, we would have brought the government down. I bet. Yeah. 
Holy, oh, 200,000. <laughs> what a strategic failure. Holy fuck. July to August, Gramsci and Laordi Nuovo group approved the setting up of the factory communist groups, later to be the local nuclei of the Communist Party. Second Congress of Communist International, Comintern in Petrograd sets conditions, 21 points, for membership. Lenin praises Gramsci's motion for a renewal of the Socialist Party amid the dissent of the Italian delegation. September, occupations of the factories. 500,000 workers involved in northern industrial cities. Gramsci's article, Red Sunday, CGL votes against occupation being turned into revolution. Movement collapses. November. I just checked, and back in 1920, Turin had less than a million people. (gasps) (laughs) Like... That's the whole population of workers. What the fuck? (laughs) November participates at PSI Congress in Imola. (laughs) It's a weird name. Where communist fraction is fraction. Yeah, it's like a it's like an old term it's like an old termy thing. Palancis does this too. Instead of saying faction, they say fraction. It's a little wonky. Stupid. 1921, January, Gramsci and others set up Institute of Proletarian Culture in Turin, affiliated to Soviet Proletco, Livorno Congress of PSI, Motion of Communist Fraction, wins a third of the votes. Fraction secedes to form Communist Party of Italy, PC, little di. (laughs) <laughs> General Secretary is Amadio Bordiga. <laughs> December, Comintern launches uh, United Front, a policy of working class unity between communists and socialists at both party and trade union level. Policy opposed by PC Little Di. <laughs> I'm going to stop doing that. I just, I hate that they're doing the Little D. 1922, March, Second Congress of PCI, Rome, Rome thesis opposing United Front policy approved by by a large majority. May, Gramsci designated PCI representative to come in turn leaves from Moscow in poor health. He will not return to Italy for two years. June begins to participate in common turn activities, but is taken ill and spends several months in Moscow sanatorium where he meets his wife, future wife, Julia Schucht, Shushed. Shushed, I guess. That's a terrible last name. <laughs> Shushed. <laughs> Awful. October, March on Rome, Mussolini takes power. November to December, Fourth Congress of the Common Turn deals with Italian question and recommends fusion of PCI. Well, PC, yeah, PCI with PC. PSI, majority of PCI is opposed to the recommendation but accepts it out of discipline. Fusion, however, will never take place. (laughs) Wow. Okay. 1923, February, Bordiga and several other communist leaders arrested. Tagliati enters executive committee. April to June, Bordiga from prison launches appeal to party to oppose common turn line on the issue of fusion with PSI. Gramsci refuses to sign. 
nucleus of new leading group of party, Tagliani, Gramsci, Umberto Terracini, begins to form. In December, Gramsci is transferred from Moscow to Vienna to maintain links between PSI and other European communist parties. You want to take over? Sure. 1924, February. First issue of Lunita, just the unity, appears. Joint daily paper of PCI and, quote-unquote, third internationalist fraction of the PSI. The latter will fuse with the PCI in August. April, general election. These all read like news headlines. (laughs) Kind of. It's like like a past current events episode for an hour. Like general election. Let's move on. Gramsci elected parliamentary deputy. May returns to Italy. Clandestine party conference in Como. Gramsci elected to executive committee opposes Bordiga's policies. He subsequently becomes the new general secretary. That's like one of the most high level positions in the PCI. June. Fascist murder opposition deputy Giacomo Matteotti. Gramsci calls for general strike and working class anti-fascist unity against legalistic protest of other opposition parties. Um, This legalistic protest was literally just like, let's walk out of parliament and uh, that'll show Mussolini. Sorry, that will show Mussolini, you said? Yeah. Oh, that's like sarcasm. Yeah. That was such a dry delivery, Prez. <laughs> I was like, they're I'm showing sorry. they're showing Mussolini where? No, no. <laughs> I felt so dumb for a second. <laughs> this is we're gonna walk out and this is gonna be he's gonna take heed to our protest. August. He's gonna be Julia- so sad we didn't vote. <laughs> Julia Schucht gives birth to her and Gramsci. Oh, you know, that's like Guaido. That was almost a Guaido move. Yeah. August, Julia Schucht gives birth to her and Gramsci's first child, Delio. Delio. August to September. Is it Delio? No. Maybe. Comintern calls for Bolshevization of communist parties. Application of United Front Policy, slogan of workers and peasant government. Workers is like owner, like plural. So like a workers and peasants government. Restructuring of party organization on the basis of workplace cells. 1925, fascist exceptional laws introduced. This was like state of emergency kind of thing where Mussolini would start to consolidate power. October, Giulio and Delio joins Gramsci in Rome. She works at the Soviet embassy. 1926, January, third Congress of PCI in Lyon, Lyons, which is in France. Drafts with Togliati, Gramsci drafts with Togliati the main Congress document, the Lyons thesis, which is overwhelmingly approved by 90.8% of PCI members. A victory for the new leading group over the Bordiga opposition. July. Julia, now expecting a second child, leaves Italy because of the deteriorating political climate. August. Second son, Giuliano, born to Julia in Moscow. Gramsci will 
only ever see photographs of him. October. Wow, that's rough. Yeah. Yeah. October. Gramsci writes a letter to the Central Committee of the Bolshevik Party expressing anxiety about the inter- inner party struggle between the Stalin, Bukhar, and my majority and the Trotsky, Zinoviev, Kamenev joint opposition and its effect on the international movement. He nevertheless declares his support for the majority. The letter is sent to Togliati in Moscow, who withholds it, though he shows it to Bukharin. Drafts from drafts some aspects of the Southern question. This will be the last thing he ever writes and isn't able to finish it before he gets arrested in November. November, arrested for with other communist deputies in violation of parliamentary immunity laws. Imprisoned first in Rome, then in December, transferred to exile on the island of Ustica, off the coast of Italy, where he briefly shares a house with Bordiga and others. To, ena- to enable Gramsci to read during his imprisonment, his friend Piero Sraffa, the Marxist economist based in Cambridge, opens an limited account on his behalf at a bookshop in Milan. 1927, January. Transferred from Ustica to prison in Milan to await trial. March. First plan of prison notebooks communicated in a letter to his, to his sister-in-law, Tatiana Shusht, acting as an intermediary in this instance for Piero Schraffa. Four subjects outlined. One, history of Italian intellectuals. Two, theater of Pirandello. Three, comparative linguistics. And four, popular literature. October, a letter from Piero Sraffa publicizing Gramsci's plight and attacking the methods of fascism appears in the Manchester Guardian on the 21st of October. 1928, May, transferred to Rome tried with other communist leaders before special tribunal. The prosecuting attorney, it's, it's spelled Michelle, but it's essentially Michael in English. Michelle Isgro allegedly says of Gramsci, for 20 years, we must stop this brain from working. June, sentenced to 20 years. Oh, my God. July. Sent to a special prison in Turi, near Bari, in the south, because of his ill health. At first, he shares a cell with five other prisoners, and then he obtains permission for his own cell. Just like reading what happened to Gramsci, it's like he was treated better under in fascist Italy than prisoners in the U.S. are or were. Um, it's like impressive. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Like they sent him to a special prison specifically made to help him get healthier instead of just letting him suffer. 1929, January. Granted permission to write in his cell. He begins with translation exercises. That's what I mean. Like people don't just get the option to chill out in their cell and write shit. February. Begins to write his first notebook a school exercise book. March outlines new plan of prison research to Tatiana Shusht, 19th century Italian history, history of intellectual groups, theory and history of historiography, Americanism and Fordism. The notebooks of this first period. Oh, so he was like, he was plugged into America. 
So. Oh yeah, he actually uh, his. We're gonna read it. His stuff on Americanism and Fordism is really good, actually. Um, the notebooks of this first period, nineteen twenty nine to nineteen thirty one, are miscellaneous, containing writings on several themes. Nineteen thirty. Internal crisis in PCI leadership as a result of Togliatti's acceptance of Comintern third period policy of class against class. Three leading members who opposed the policy, Leonetti, Tresso, Revozili, are expelled. Gramsci, Gramsci tells his brother Gennaro, sent by Togliatti to visit him, that he disagrees with the third period line and the expulsion of the three. Gennaro does not report this back to Togliatti for fear that his brother too might suffer recrimination. This is like the second time his like his criticism just gets hidden. Gramsci is subsequently criticized and ostracized by fellow communists in prison for his opposition to the view that an immediately revolutionary situation would result from an imminent fall of fascism and his suggested slogan of the constituent assembly for the transi transitional period. 1931, Gramsci's health deteriorates. On the 3rd of August, he coughs up, up, coughs up blood in the night. A second period of notebook writing, 1931 to 1934, begins in which he rewrites and regroups earlier drafts and arranges notes more, more thematically. 1932, Revised plan of the notebook set out in notebook eight under 10 groupings. Intellectuals and education, Machiavelli. Encyclopedic notions and cultural themes. Introduction to the study of philosophy and cri critical notes on Bukharin's popular manu manual of sociology. Catholics. <laughs> Quote unquote, past and present miscellaneous. Italian resort. Risorgimento, I can never pronounce that very well. Literature and popular literature, Laurianism and journalism. An attempt supported by Gramsci gets underway to obtain his release through an exchange of prisoners with the Soviet Union, where his wife and two children are living. The Soviet authorities approach the Italian government without success. August, Gramsci writes to Tatiani, Tatiana, quote, I have reached a point where my strength to resist is about to collapse completely with what consequences I do not know, end quote. November, as a result of the government's amnesty provisions for the 10th anniversary of the fascist revolution, Gramsci's sentence is commuted to 12 years and four months. Gramsci's mother dies in December. His relatives withhold the news from him. He was like a real mama's boy. That's why they, they withheld it from him. 1933, March, Gramsci collapses in his cell. For two weeks, he is tended night and day by fellow prisoners. He, examined by, he is examined by a doctor, Professor Arcangeli, who certifies, quote, Gramsci cannot survive for long in present conditions. I consider it necessary for him to be transferred to a civil hospital or a clinic unless he can be granted conditional liberty. Gramsci refuses to submit a plea for mercy to the fascist authorities. May to June, Arcanielli's statement is published in La Humanité, literally just humanity, 
in Paris, in Paris, a committee for Gramsci's release and that of other victims of fascism is set up, headed by Henri Barbousse and Romain Roland. December, Gramsci is transferred to a clinic in Formia between Rome and Naples. Here, in a third period of writing, 1934 to 1935, despite his deteriorating, deteriorating health, he begins to transcribe, revise, and regroup earlier drafts of notes in a series of quote-unquote special notebooks on particular themes. 1934, October, Gramsci submits a request for conditional release. The request is granted on the 25th of October. He is allowed to go out of the clinic, but is too weak to leave. The fascist authorities block his request to be transferred to a clinic elsewhere, suspecting his suspecting plans for his escape. 1935, August. After a further deterioration, Gramsci is transferred to a clinic in Rome. 1936, he resumes his correspondence with his wife and children. He considers returning to Sardinia for convalescence but fears such a withdrawal would put him in a position of, quote, complete isolation of an even more pronounced intellectual degradation than at present, of the complete or more com almost complete erasure of certain forms of expectation, which in the past few years, although they may have tormented me, have also given me a life of certain content. From a letter to Julia, summer of 1936. Um we should just finish out the chronological outline and yeah, stop here, yeah. right? Okay. 1937, April. The period of conditional release ends and Gramsci is now legally free, but he is too ill to move. That sucks. On yeah, 25th of April. Oh, go. I was just going to say the end is super sad. On April 25th, he has a cerebral hemorrhage and then dies on the 27th. June. First extracts of his prison letters dealing with the crochet, crochet published in Paris in PCI periodical Lo Stato Apereo. I hate that series of letters. Uh, July, Tatiana Schust deposits manuscript prison notebooks, which she had removed along with Gramsci's other effects after his death, in a safe at the Banca Commerciale in Rome. A year later, she has them dispatched to Moscow. They are passed on to Togliatti. 45, after the liberation from Nazi fascist occupation, further extracts from the prison letters and the first extracts from the notebooks appear in the PCI press. 2018, of the prison letters published in the first edition, the Terre del... That's 218. 218, sorry. What did I say? 2018. 2018. 218 of the prison letters published in the first edition, the Terre del Car Carcere. Literally just prison letters. Oh, my God. Inadi Turin. A uh, number of references to Bordiga and Trotsky have been excised. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. 1948 to 51, first edition of the prison notebooks, Quaderni. Del Carcere, oh yeah, the prison notebooks again, right? Um, the manuscript notebooks are re rearranged thematically by the editor Felice Platone into six volumes. Il <laughs> you can read that yourself. 
1954 to 74, the bulk of Gramsci's writings from the period 1913 to 26 are edited and then published at various intervals between these dates. 57, the first selection of Gramsci's work, The Modern Prince and Other Writings, is published in English, 71. So, uh, selections from prison notebooks makes a wide range of Gramsci's writings available to an English language readership for the first time. 75, critical editions of the prisons and notebooks edited by Valentino Garatana in four volumes, three volumes of text, and one with critical apparatus. The notebooks are arranged in chronological order and according to when they were commenced, in part from some inter apart from some internal restorations of chronological order, are published in exact accordance with the manuscript. All drafts are included. And in the 1980, a multi-volume critical edition of the pre-prison writings arranged in chronological sequence begins to appear in Italy. And that is the timeline of uh, Gramsci, which is very helpful and very useful and something we kind of usually do in the introductory episode, but I guess, you know, it's cool the book does it for us. No way. The glossary starts on 420. (laughs) Fuck yeah, it's going to be a good book. Anyway, uh, (laughs) next next episode, we're going to go over the glossary uh, terms. And hopefully get to at least one essay. <laughs> at least one. I, I I would assume that we'll be able to get through this, but with David here and still five more pages to go. Oof. We'll see. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you enjoyed what you heard, want to hear more, there's of course like nine other eight other seasons. There's a bunch of other seasons of the show. Uh, and then we also have a lot of uh, affiliated podcasts such as Decolonized Buffalo, Upstream, uh, Revolutionaries Garden, uh, Chunkaluta, slash Bands of Turtle Island. Uh, I don't know. I, don't know I guess my podcast, too. The oh, I guess, yeah, the Minion is involved, <laughs> huh? Uh, then, of course, you have some... We have a lot of friends... And you can see all the many different people we've collaborated with if you go and look at the show. So please do that. Uh, everything uh, that goes to the Patreon uh, past $500, which we already make. Um, so now we're at like 160 or something like that uh, goes towards organizing and various other causes um, such as like paying transcriptionists and stuff like that, which is uh, really important for first off their survival, second off for uh, accessibility of stuff like Mark's Madness, as well as Decolonized Buffalo, um, and a couple others that I think just need to be transcribed so people can access them in various forms. Um, uh, we're doing a fundraiser. If this is coming, yeah, I guess this will probably be out in time. We're doing a fundraiser uh, to get people to Sundance to help build a house, uh, clean and set up Sundance, uh, like before and after, uh, as well as, you know, uh, to pay for food, for feeding people for those five days. Uh, Like, literally, our family pays for everybody to eat. Uh, And so, like, we have people from all over the world who come. Um, you know, like Anu, Ainu, fucking Maori, Maya people, fuck all over the place. We've it's crazy, and so it's 
uh, a great opportunity for learning and investigation is my thought. And I think it's very important that people go there as well as it's my son's naming ceremony. It's also Sundance, which is just a super important ceremony in general in our culture. So I, I hope people understand we're trying to bring out a team from the West coast and from the East coast to meet there to sort of uh, do as much as we can and also help set up um infrastructure um you know basically to grow food um grow alternatives to chopping down entire trees for burning um and uh various things that will help uh winter drives from here on out because obviously that's going to be an annual thing and we'd like to make the summer drive an annual thing as well and see as much success as we had with the winter drive last year but I was an idiot who got the old account banned. So that's on me. So help make help help me make up for it. Thank you. Uh, you can donate to Zakata's Tin Can on Cash Tap or um, what's it called? At Zakato on Venmo. Uh, or you can donate to the Patreon and we have two months for that. Otherwise, hopefully I've made the GoFundMe and that is in the show notes. Uh Oh, and we'll be getting present in Mike. <laughs> so please donate. <laughs> <You're> so kind. <laughs> um, what a! I don't know if I'm missing any other plugs. Oh, emails, Twitters, shit. Okay. Um, marksmanispod at gmail.com chunkaluta1973 at gmail.com if you have any complaints please direct them there or you can seek out Prez's Twitter my, at Marksy Marks too <laughs> <laughs> go ignore them uh, uh, otherwise we have a we also have Twitters ourselves chunkaluta1973 and marksmanispod um, as well as I'm on blue sky now which is zakato dot b sky dot social or some shit like that and uh is that it yeah uh minion just put out an episode on japanese fascism with great check it out well uh, i haven't finished it but yeah with against japanism podcast so check them out Oh yeah, well again with some of our friends, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. it, it's interesting how connected the principled left is and I enjoy that. It's um, begin it's happening, it's beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh hopefully it doesn't get smited down by a Mussolini esque figure. Um <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Uh, and I guess uh, we'll talk to you next time, huh? That's, Bye. That's how we end these. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess.